Take your Bibles, please, and turn to John's Gospel, chapter 14. John's Gospel, chapter 14, this morning. This year we are studying the topic, what do you look for in a healthy church? You look for biblical preaching. And it is from that biblical preaching that we can develop the qualities in our lives that God wants to use to challenge us and conform us to the character of Jesus Christ. Disciples of Christ. That was his assignment, was it not? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, followers. Those who would recognize the wonder of who he is and live it out through their lives. Biblical discipleship. If we say we abide in him, we ought to walk like Jesus did. As his disciples. Now that is part of our mission here at Calvary. That we would be Christ-like disciples who are passionate about our God, who are obedient to His Word, who are dependent upon Him through prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant in our witness, so that we can multiply Christ-like disciples. And if we are going to understand what discipleship is, we must understand the task, the assignment, the mission that God has given to us. And it begins with passion. Passion matters. Now you say, well, I'm not a very passionate person. I have the privilege of being up front and observing what's going on in this part of our worship center as we praise the name of the Lord our God. That's passion. Jesus said it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's passion. For they shall be filled. The psalmist last week as we discovered, Psalm 63 said, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole being Desires you. Passion matters. But not only does passion matter, obedience matters. And we can be passionate about a whole bunch of things, but unless we are obedient to the truth, then this Christ-likeness will not be lived out in our lives. I am not endorsing this television program. But on Friday nights at 10 o'clock, a TV program comes on called Blue Bloods. One of the scenes in every episode is a family gathering around the table. Tom Selleck, the patriarch, Francis Reagan, sits at the head of the table. His dad sits at the foot of the table. And they talk what they call the family business. You see, 
each of these folks are involved in law enforcement in one way or another. Henry, the dad, was a former chief of police. Francis, the patriarch, is the current chief of police. One of the sons is a detective. One of the sons is a is an officer, and his wife is an officer, and the daughter is the prosecuting attorney, and the grandkids are sitting there, and they all talk about family business. They talk about issues. They talk about struggles. They talk about things going on in their lives. And they spend time gathered around this table, rehearsing and reflecting and getting some direction about how they ought to live. I found out this past week that it takes about five hours to film this scene. Can you imagine the food that you could consume in five hours around a dinner table? A couple of weeks ago, at this scene... The granddaughter, Nikki, whose face you cannot see in the upper right-hand corner, makes an announcement. She says, I'm getting ready to go to a job interview in San Francisco. You know San Francisco's a long ways from New York City. And the family sits there in silence, a little bit stunned, wondering what this is going to do to the family dynamic and they wish Nikki the best and ask her if you are given the job which they're sure she will be offered will you take it yeah probably take it there's silence at the at the table Frank lifts up his fork. And he says this, and I quote, Nikki, take this with you. And when you come to a fork in the road and you're stuck, you take this out and you think hard about what advice there would be. What are the sympathies that lie around this table if you were talking it out with us? And then he says, how's that for corny? Our text in John chapter 14 is in the middle of the Last Supper. Jesus is sitting around the table for the last formal meal with his disciples. Now, the only other time they're going to meet together with food is at that beach picnic. You remember the one when the disciples were out fishing all night. Have you caught any fish? And when they get in, Jesus already got fish. And I don't know how he got his fish, but he did. And this is the last formal time that Jesus will meet around the table with his disciples. Because they're about to come to a fork in the road. Jesus has washed their feet. He has told them of one who would betray him. He has given them a new commandment to love one another. 
He's encouraged them in identifying a place that he is going to go and prepare for them. Isn't that great? And now he helps them understand what they need to do when they come to a fork in the road. As Christ-like disciples, there are a lot of forks in our road. There are a lot of decisions that we have to make. Many times on a daily basis. There, there are a lot of issues that we face. A lot of challenges that we might struggle with. And when we get to these forks in the road, what do we do? I want to suggest to you this morning that we go back to the, the table. And we hear what Jesus said to his disciples as he was getting ready to leave them. And we apply those truths to our lives. Are you in John 14? Let me read the text for you because I want to put it together. We're going to start with verse 12 and we're going to read down through verse 27 and then we're going to pick out some principles from, from this text. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Uh, Judas, not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Uh, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you. 
My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Jesus, with his disciples, helps them understand that they can make it. Because he is going to give them the strength they need in order to make it. So what are these principles? The first principle is this. Obedience shows our love. Christ-like disciples are obedient. Did you notice the four times in the text that Jesus tied love to obedience? Now, this shouldn't surprise us. Because as you read the Gospel of John, love is a large dynamic part of his ministry. Some 63 times in John's Gospel, John talks about love. And he helps us recognize that our commitment, our love, is that which shows the world that we are different and that we belong to Christ. Verse 15, mark it, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, whoever does not love me, does not keep my words. Do you sense a theme? Jesus says the dynamic in your life that proves that you have a relationship with me is your love for me. And if you love me, not out of duty, not out of responsibility, but out of the depths of our souls, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Why do you do what you do as a child of God? Why are you here this morning? I know, it's Sunday. We're always here at 10.50 Sunday morning, right? That's not the question. Why are you here at 10.50 Sunday morning? My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all of the follies of sin I resign. You love him this morning? You know, the scripture says we love him because he first loved us. How did he love us? He gave his precious body as a sacrifice for you and for me. He shed his precious blood in payment for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in him. 
worry. I celebrated a birthday yesterday. Thank you. I don't look a day older, do I? <laughs> I look a year older, yeah. <laughs> Who said that? I want to thank many of you who went on Facebook and wished me happy birthday or sent me cards or texted me just a lot of that yesterday. Connie said that there were some 140 postings over 40 plus years of ministry. It was great to hear from a number of folks that have been part of my life. But the neatest card I got was from Connie. It had money in it. <laughs> but that wasn't what made it neat. In that card, Connie said, it's been so good to share most of my life with you. And we were just children when we got married. Connie was 19, I was 20, just kids. And she expressed her love to me. Now if we can just get the obedience part, we'll be fine. But I'm not waiting for that one, Teresa, I'm really not. But the whole deal is this. When love drives our lives, it makes a difference in our lives. Amen? Because it makes it a pleasure to share and serve and minister. It's great. And Jesus said to his disciples, when you come to a fork in the road, not out of duty, not out of responsibility, not because culture says so or doesn't say so, not because people are looking, not for any other reason than you love me. Keep my commandments. Wow. Now what does it mean? Love lives in a way that reflects Jesus. Love obeys His commandments. Love validates our commitment of love to the Lord, and love is an evidence that we belong to Jesus. There it is. So when you're struggling and you come to that fork in the road, say, I'm doing this because I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. We love Him because He first loved us. That's what it's all about. Can I get you to run just a little rabbit trail this morning? Keep your finger here in John 14 and turn over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. You get to the book of Revelation, back up just a bit. 
Verse 2, 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Whoa! When you love somebody, you'll do anything for that individual because it's a pleasure. And when we love him, we are then able to keep his commandments and they don't become a heavy weight. King James Grievous. You see, the truth is, because of our love for Jesus Christ, we are motivated to keep his commandments. Amen? Back to John 14. Not only does obedience show our love for him, obedience submits to the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to take time to exegete this whole passage. But Jesus is promising that he will give them another helper. Did you notice that in verse 15? 16, I'm sorry. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. Jesus promises to give us some assistance as we seek to live out our lives for His honor and His glory. Isn't it great to have help? Yesterday, my son came over to be part of my birthday. He said, Dad, it's a whole lot easier to come over than send you a card. It was nice of him. And one of the things I had him do yesterday was help me move my grill from the patio to the garage because it's getting to be wintertime. I couldn't have done that by myself. The grill is too bulky, it's too big, it's too heavy. And it sure was nice to have some assistance. You know, God has given to you and me all the assistance we need to live out the Christian life. God has given to you and to me all the assistance we need to keep His commandments. God has given to you and to me His Spirit. The Spirit of truth. And God has given Him, you notice I said Him, to you and to me to properly equip us to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Now in verse 16, he's identified as a helper. Parakletos is the Greek word, and it means someone coming alongside, an advocate, a counselor. If you look at the Latin, it has the idea with strength of strength and confidence. You and I can trust the Spirit of God to work in our 
lives. And what does he do? Look at me at verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You say, well, what commandments am I supposed to obey because I love him? Let the Holy Spirit tell you. He'll teach you. He'll bring things to your remembrance. He will help you understand exactly what God wants you to be to be the person that God wants you to be. Amen? Jump over to chapter 15 and look with me again at verse 26. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. It is the Holy Spirit's job to help us look like Jesus and to remind us of what that means. Are you still in John's Gospel? Move to chapter 16. Verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. You think things are bad now? Can you imagine what they would be without the Spirit of God restraining unrighteousness in this world? Part of his job. To convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Jump down to verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Submission to the Holy Spirit of God is part of our obedience because it is God who works in us and through us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Greater is He who is in me, Spirit of God, than he who is in the world. And we could think very quickly about what the Spirit of God does as he gives us power according to acts 1 he indwells us first corinthians 6 he seals us ephesians chapter 1 he restrains the world for second thessalonians 2 he brings joy and peace romans 14 he sanctifies us he gives us gift within the body to serve him all of that and i'm going to heaven too isn't that great but only as we submit to the Spirit of God are we able to keep His commandments. And I'm thankful that I don't have to do it on my own, but He gives me all the assistance I need. For Peter tells us that He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
all that you need in Christ through his spirit you have. Isn't that great? It matters. Back to chapter 14. Because I just want to point out something to you. Verse 18. And as I said, I'm not trying to exegete this passage. But Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. King James translates that word orphans as comfortless. But what it means is we will not be alone or abandoned, helpless or hopeless. There is no need for us to have a troubled heart because the Spirit of God indwells us. Isn't that what he said at the beginning of chapter 14? Let not your heart be troubled. And why is this necessary? In the text which we read, it says that we may know the Father's love. (laughs) Isn't that great? That we may know the Father's love. So how do we work all this out? We work this out by shining as lights in a dark, dark world. I want to take you to the beginning part of our text, verse 12 this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The evidence that Jesus is in us is that we let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Underline the last part of verse 13. That the Father may be glorified. Isn't that what it's all about? That the Father may be glorified. Amen! It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about glorifying the Father. And as we shine as lights in this world, and it is a dark, dark world, we glorify the Father. I quoted Matthew 4 just a moment ago. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. That the Father may be glorified. Now, I think it's interesting here that Jesus talks about works. 
And he says to the disciples, those who believe in him, verse 12, will do the works that I do, greater works than these will he do. What's that all about? Well, for the disciples, it was their ministry in their culture as they healed the sick, as the dead were raised, as they preached the gospel, as they were delivered from prison, and they validated the message that Jesus had given to them. Those are the works. But how does that apply to us? It applies to us as we live out the truth in Jesus and people understand that we have an assignment that came directly from God as his disciples. And what does Jesus say? Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now this is not a prayer that ends 10-4, good buddy. This is a recognition of God's name and God's nature. And who He is and what He wants to do. To bring honor and glory to His name and to perfect His will. It's a full consciousness of who God is. That the Father may be glorified. Isn't that why we do what we do? That's what it's all about. sitting at the table. I can imagine what was going on in the minds of the disciples that evening. The Passover was special. It was a celebration of freedom from bondage. Uh, You'll remember in Luke chapter 2, the first time Jesus was introduced to The public was at the Passover. And it was there that he said, I got to be about my father's business. Remember that? Two other times in John's gospel, Jesus is at the Passover. The first time was when he noticed all of the merchants that were at the temple and he drove them out. Because it wasn't about merchandise. It was about what God had done in their lives. The second time, and I found this interesting and didn't realize it before. The second time was when all of the crowds were going to the Passover. Jesus saw them and he knew they had needs. And so he took a little boy's lunch. Did you know that was Passover stuff? took a little boy's lunch, fish and loaves, and broke it and fed 5,000 people. That's 
Passover stuff. And then this. And as the disciples, his followers, sitting around the table, they had a lot of questions, didn't they? Who's going to betray you? What's going to happen? You going to show us the kingdom? What are we going to do? And Jesus said, when you come to a fork in the road, love me enough to obey me. When you come to a fork in the road, you have assistance to be able to make the right decision because I will give you the spirit. And when you come to a fork in the road, remember, it's all about shining your light. So that you can do the works that I did and let this world know who I am. And how do we do that? We have a dependence upon him through prayer. We'll talk about that next week. What do you look for in a healthy church? What does the Bible say? And how is that lived out in our lives as we follow Jesus? Biblical discipleship. Christ-like disciples. For the honor and glory of our God.